You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Good morning. You know, when we interviewed here about two years ago, we, we asked, uh, ask, you know, when we were here, so, so what's it like in the winter? Do you guys get any snow? And uh, they said, no, we really don't get snow here in Oklahoma City. Man, what an incredible winter, huh? And it seems like it snows every Saturday night or early Sunday morning to me. Um, but, you know, last year was our first winter here. And I remember going, calling people and saying, they don't even have winter in Oklahoma City. I would leave church on Sunday in January and February. And it would be like 55 to 60 degrees and sunny. So we're getting a little bit of winter this year, I guess. But I'm glad you're here. Excited to talk to you today about uh, what God's put in my heart. So this is our third Sunday to talk about margin, okay? And um, you, you, you might remember the definition that we've been using. Uh, we have defined margin this way. It is the amount that is allowed beyond that which is required, okay? So it's more than you need. And the first image that comes to my mind is the image that's on the screen behind me because every day of my life I, I open and I, and I write on a legal pad. And so... I think about that bold line on the left side of the legal pad that we call making a line for margin. And, and I could write on the far edge of the paper, but I never do. If I did, I think it would feel chaotic to me, like life feels when I don't have margin in my life. There's a lot of people who pay a lot of extra money, or probably in most cases their companies pay a lot of extra money to fly in first class. And they do that because they want a little margin where they're sitting. They want a little space. More than that which is required, a little extra, a little more than what is needed. And so instead of sitting shoulder to shoulder with two strangers I've never met before who have no consideration or sensitivity to my space, it'd be a lot better if I could sit up there where there's more space and armrest of on. I like margin in my life. And so I reread a book recently I shared with you that I'd read a few years ago by a medical doctor whose name is Richard Swenson. And Dr. Swenson says, people were coming into my office with real physical pain, but they were also coming in with real emotional pain. And he said, people were coming in with more things than broken arms and legs. They were broken individuals. And I realized that they were living life to the edge, all the way to the limit. Their schedules were so full, they had no time to relax or to rejuvenate. And financially, every dollar they brought home was required to make life happen, to support their lifestyle. And Dr. Swenson says the problem is that living life without margin is unsustainable. And so we're talking this series about having margin in our schedules and our time. Next week we're going to talk about margin in relation to our moral choices and this week, we're going to talk about margin, margin rather, in regard to our finances, okay? And so there's got to be somebody looking at me saying, seriously, it was snowing. I wanted to sleep in. My spouse talked me into coming, and he's going to talk about money today. Well, that's the deal. I'm going to talk about money. So do you know what margin looks like in finances? Do you understand what that looks like? Let me, let me explain it to you real quick, okay? After you get paid... And you sit down at your desk or the kitchen table and you pay all of your bills and you meet all of your obligations and then you set money aside to be saved for the future. Then you call your spouse into the room and you show her what the bottom line is in the checkbook and you say, okay, here's what the deal is. Paid all the bills, we've met all of our obligations and we've set aside money to save. 
And all of this money that's left is what we have left over. Help me, please, figure out somehow to spend all of this money we've got left over. That's what margin is in finances, okay? But I think there's probably an individual or two who is saying, Rick, we don't have any. You don't have any what? We don't have any margin in our finances. Because the lifestyle that we're living requires every dollar that we bring home to support it. And so when we pay all the bills and we meet our obligations, obligations, we don't have any money left over. There is no margin. Most of us would say, I'm making more money than I did a few years ago. But the problem is, I'm spending more money than I spent a few years ago. And so when we ask the question, how much will it take for me to have enough, to have a little left over? Most people are going to say, just a little bit more. If I could make a little bit more, then maybe I could have a little bit of margin in my finances. If I could just make a little bit more, I could have some breathing room. And so we take a second job, or we work the overtime hours, and then we say to ourselves, if I just had a little bit more. And we begin to learn that the problem is not income, but the problem is our wants. We want a lot of stuff. I want a lot of stuff. And the wants began to control us. And so if you get a chance to watch television tonight, chances are there's going to be some commercials communicating message to you that if you buy this, it's going to make your life a lot better. And you've got to decide what you're going to believe when those messages come your way. Here's the great thing about the Bible, okay? God speaks to us directly from His Word and He gives us great plans for living life, even in the area of finances. And so I want to take you to a passage today that I think can be very helpful. So if you would open a Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to start reading in verse 24. Matthew By the way, if you're kind of new to carrying a Bible, is the first book in the New Testament, okay? Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Put the words on the screen for you as well. All the words today are in red letters, okay? These are the words of Jesus. So direct your attention to the screen or to your Bible. Please tilt your head slightly to the right or left. Depends on which screen you're looking at. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and you will despise the other. The next sentence creates a struggle in me. When I read it, I feel a bit uneasy. And maybe it's the whole paragraph. But what it communicates to me is that you and I have the potential of making money our master and becoming its slave. 
And I think that's why when I read it, I feel such tension inside. It communicates to me that you and I have the potential of making money our master and us becoming its slave. And so Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. The worry is kind of a ring in your hands, kind of anxious worry. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? My my girls would say to you that if I let my clothes define me, I'm in trouble. So look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. That's an awesome thought, really, when you think about it. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, That not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But first, seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble, enough evil of its own. So we pray for God's blessings on His Word to us today. Amen? Amen. So Jesus starts out by saying, Don't live your life in this anxiety, this wring-in-your-hands kind of worry about what am I going to eat and what am I going to drink and what am I going to wear? Is there going to be enough for me? Don't live your life with such anxiety that you're saying, i just got to get more for me because I don't think there's enough. i, I got to get enough for me. And so when that is your focus and that is your thinking, where are your priorities? Well, I'm focused on what I'm going to drink. I'm focused on what I'm going to eat. I'm focused on what I'm going to wear. And so my number one priority becomes me. And as I begin to earn money and I begin to build a financial system, guess what my financial system is built on? Me. What I'm going to eat and what I'm going to drink and what I'm going to wear. So let me borrow an illustration from another pastor, okay? Let me do that. Let me put some things on the screen for you and uh, think with me. Uh, there are four things that you can do with money. Uh, I kind of have my own list here. It looks a little different maybe than another list I've seen, but I like my list best. And so if you think about the things that you can potentially do with money, number one, you can spend it, right? Everybody knows how to spend money, right? We're all pretty good at that. We've got that figured out. The second thing you can do with money is you can pay taxes. 
So one day Jesus is with some disciples and they say to him, what about taxes? Should we pay taxes? And he says, give me a coin. They give him a coin and he says, whose image is on the coin? And they say, Caesar's. And he says, okay, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. In other words, Jesus was saying, you know, pay the taxes. There's a deeper meaning there about whose image we are made in. And so give to God what is made in his image, right? So you can spend money, you can pay taxes, you can also save money. So you might say, well, you really didn't talk about investing money, so I've kind of lumped some stuff together if you're okay. I know that everybody who's investing is not saving. Some people are investing to make money. But if it's okay with you, let's just kind of put it in one category. And you kind of understand with me that we're saying save and invest all together. You might say there's nowhere on the, on, the, on the deal yet for paying debt. I think paying debt is really spending money. I think we would call that pre-spending, right? I've already spent it, now I've got to pay it. So you can spend money, you can pay taxes, you can save it. And the fourth and final thing that I would say you can do with money is you can give it away. I remember a lady stood up one Wednesday night in my home church in Kentucky when I was a mid-high teenager. And she talked about her house burning down to the ground, I mean down to the ground. She lived out in the country and it burned to the ground. And so that night she stood up and she wanted to give thanks to God for helping her through the crisis. And she wanted to thank everybody who supported her through that time. Now, I remember she made this statement that made quite an impression on me as a mid-high teenager. She said, the only things that were saved in the fire were the things I had given away. The only things that were saved in the fire were the things I had given away. That was 40 years ago. And it became kind of a life lesson for me. And I began to think about saving from another perspective. Here's what happens. Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, etc. But if that is how you're thinking and that's how you're living and that's how you're doing life, Chances are pretty good that the way that list appears on the screen may very well be the way you prioritize your spending, your use of money. Well, I'm focused on what I'm going to eat and what I'm going to drink and what I'm going to wear, so that's pretty much number one. And taxes kind of come out of my check, so that may be number two. And some savings come out of my check, and if there's anything left over, then I'll consider giving it away. I remember my first church, there was this lady, and, and she came up to me after a sermon where I preached about giving, and she said, you've been here for three years and you've never once preached from the book of Malachi. And she said, I think the only reason you preached from it today was so you could talk about money. She seemed very bitter. <laughs> she was not happy. So why does a young pastor go to the book of Malachi? And by the way, that is how it's present, pronounced. It's not Malachi. As one guy pronounced it, he was not Italian. He was a Jewish man. And God speaks to his prophet and he asks the question, Would a man rob God? 
And you might ask, how would we rob you, God? And God speaks again through the prophet and says, in your tithes and offerings. And then God says this, why don't you bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, the full amount? And you know what he's talking about? He's talking about leftovers. Why are you bringing me what's left over? Why does your list look like this? And why do you only think in giving if you have enough left over? I don't want your leftovers. I want your first fruits. And so I've got to wonder sometimes how it sounds when we pray, when we say, God, please help me with my finances, when my priorities look like this. And God said, what, what do you mean you want me to help you? Well, I want you to help me to have more money to spend and to pay taxes and to save. And I want you to know if there's any left over, buddy, I'll remember you. So when I open the Bible to the book of Matthew chapter 6 and I hear the words of Jesus, I think what Jesus is saying, would you consider turning that list upside down? And what if your number one priority was to give? And then number two was to save. And number three was to pay taxes. And number four was to spend it. And so I don't want to just keep on and on and on, but we did consult the Scriptures a few weeks ago and we said to Jesus, Jesus, what is the most important commandment of the law? And Jesus says the most important commandment is this, love the Lord God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. This is what's important in life. And so if this is what matters, my relationship with the Father and my relationships with others, then maybe all of my life, including my finances, should be prioritized on that basis. And so the first thing that I do with money is not spend it on myself. The first thing that I do with money is give it away. And then I begin to think about my future. When Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, He is not saying... I'm giving you the right today to be irresponsible about your future. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about a ring in my hands, worried kind of thing about tomorrow. And you pay your taxes because it's the right thing to do. And then whatever's left over, you can live on that. And so since this is Family Worship Sunday, uh, I recruited a helper before service started. And I'm looking for William. William, where are you, buddy? Can you jump up and come up here and help me out, okay? Uh, this is William Hostad. Um, you go ahead and speed up if you want to, William. We're waiting on you. There we go. Come on, buddy. Here we are. I want you to do me a favor and stand here beside me, okay, William? And I got some money in my hand. Can you just count this and tell me how much money is there, okay? Um, one, and then there's... Need some help holding it? Two, no, you got it. Three, four, five. That's right. Ten dollars is correct, William. Give him a hand. He got that. Hey, okay, so... Kind of, kind of take the money. Can you kind of uh, maybe hold it like, like this and kind of fan it out like you would a deck of um, Uno cards? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. 
That's, that's pretty good. They're kind of bending over on you, aren't they? And your hands aren't as big as mine. But that's okay. I can kind of see several. So let's say, William, by the way, I didn't even ask you, do you like your job? You don't have a job. But one day you will have a job, okay? And when you get a job, you're going to earn some money. So let's say you've got your job and you earn $10, okay? And so what I'm talking about on the screen, it would look like this. So you say, okay, I'm going to take one of those dollars. I'll slip it out of your hand here. And, and I'm going to give it to God, okay? And so if I take, there's ten, and I take one, that's one-tenth, right? And so I'm going to take one of those dollars, and I'm going to say, I'm going to give that one to God, okay? So that one I've, I've given away. So you might take another dollar, and you say, I'm going to save most of this dollar. Maybe I might, I might give some of it away to others, but I'll, I'll save some of this, and I'll give some of that away, okay? And then the government says, William, I would like one of your dollars, Okay? No, the government says I'll take two. <laughs> okay, I'll take three. Some cases it's two. And so then, can you kind of get all that money straightened out there in your hand? So then, William, here's, here's what you do. You say, you know what I'm going to do with the rest of this money? I'm going to live on this money. Okay? I'm going to spend this money. Okay? So you can spend that money. You understand? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. You can spend that money. Okay? All right. See you later. So, so where, do you, where do you get this idea that, that you make God first, even, 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 in your finances? Well, one day I picked up the Bible and opened it to Matthew chapter 6. And I heard Jesus say, Don't worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear. But seek first His kingdom. God's kingdom. Seek first God's kingdom, not only in your money, but in all aspects of your life. So Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of God. This other kind of kingdom. This this eternal kind of kingdom. Where you can live this eternal kind of life now. It's not for when I die. it's, It's not in heaven that I have to wait for it. But now you can be a part of this other kind of kingdom. And frankly, the priorities of this other kind of kingdom, the kingdom of God, the priorities are very different than the priorities of this world. So let me get this straight, okay? Let me just think, maybe I'm understanding you, Rick. You're saying that when you get paid, Before you do anything else with your money, you give some of it away. That's right. Don't you think that's kind of opposite? Yes. Because the priorities of the kingdom of God are very different than the priorities of the kingdom of this world. And so when somebody hurts us or offends us, 
or causes us pain, we don't say that I'm going to bring pain into your life because you brought pain into my life. No, do you know what we do? We seek not even to hold a grudge. We forgive. What? <laughs> After they did that to you? I know. Doesn't that seem kind of opposite to you? Yeah. It's not the priorities of this world, it's the priorities of the kingdom of God. And so when somebody walks through our doors who are very different than us, and maybe they don't even believe like we believe, do we turn around and build a wall between us and them? No. No, it's just the opposite. We open our arms. And we invite them into our lives and into our community. And we trust that God in all of His goodness can change what He wants to change in their hearts. Thought I might get a witness on that one. Well, I got to laugh. And so when we see somebody hurting, do we just turn away with a cold shoulder and say, I got plenty i got plenty to worry about in my own life, buddy. No. No, we express compassion. And the list goes on and on because the kingdom priorities are very different than the priorities of this world. I have uh, been trying my best to talk to you for the last um, little bit about... Um, um, you know, margin. And, and I've been trying to challenge you with, with this idea, and that is that Richard Swenson did not, did not come up with the word margin, or it wasn't his brainchild that he came up with the concept of living life with margin. Um, many, many, many years before that, God had that idea. And so let me be a bit repetitive if I can. We can say to God, God, let me tell you what I can do. I'm 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 a pretty well built guy and, and, and I can carry a pretty heavy load and my shoulders are pretty broad and I could work seven days a week. Do you know what God I could accomplish if I work seven days a week and God says, I know what you're capable of, but also know what you're not capable of, and I don't want you to live out on the edge. I don't want you to live life to the limit. I want you to come back from the edge. And I want you to create margin in your life. And you can work six days, but on the seventh day, I'm calling you to rest. Relationships are experienced in the margins of our lives. And I want you to spend some time resting. And I want you to spend some time with me. And I want you to do it in the context of community. God, I have enough wants in my life today. Let me tell you, i got a long list of wants. Spring is coming and i got some wants. I could spend every dollar that I bring home this month. And God says, I know what you're capable of, but I'm asking you to, to create margin in your life. I want you to step back from the edge and I don't want you to spend it all. Because I want you to invest it, some of it, in the important stuff in life. And, and I want you to plan for the future. I think, I think when we think like that, our... Our immediate reaction is to go back to verse 25. But what about me? (laughs) What am I going to wear? What am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What about me, somebody? 
And Jesus just kind of calmly says, all of these things will be added to you. God knows you need them. And if he takes care of the birds of the air and the grass of the field, how much more is he going to take care of you? There's, a, there's an Old Testament scholar whose name is Walter Brueggemann. Um, w- without a doubt, uh, one of the most influential Old Testament scholars of our time. And, and he says in an article that he wrote called um, A Liturgy of Abundance, The Myth of Scarcity. He says, the majority of the resources of the world are pouring into the United States of America. But in all of our wealth, our money has become kind of a narcotic for us. Meaning it has numbed us. We are barely aware of our prosperity. But he says what's worse is we are barely aware of the poverty of others. The great contradiction, Brueggemann says, is that while we become more and more and more and more wealthy, we are becoming less and less and less generous. And we have developed a love affair with want. But he says, beginning with the book of Genesis, an Old Testament scholar now, he says, what we find in the Bible is the liturgy of abundance. And he moves through the Psalms and the prophets. That God is a generous God. However, there is another story. A story besides the story of abundance and the fact that God is very, very generous. And this is where all of this comes down to for you and I. It depends on what we believe. He said the other story we find in the 47th chapter of the book of Genesis. Pharaoh in Egypt learns there's going to be a famine in the land. And he begins to monopolize and he begins to develop a plan that says, How can I control all of the food supply? And Brueggemann says, for the very first time in the Bible, think about this, okay? For the very first time in the Bible, the concept appears, there is not enough. Up until this point, it has been a liturgy of abundance and God is generous. But now, there's another story and the story goes like this, there is not enough So we should get everything we can for ourselves. And so he says when the people of Egypt are freed from slavery and bondage, they have heard another story. And God seeks to debunk the other story while they were in the wilderness by putting out bread every morning, manna, for them to eat. Where did it come from? Well, it came from God. It just... I guess it rained down, you know. Seriously, seriously, bread on the ground every morning. But they had heard another story. 
And they decided they were going to hoard the bread and store the bread and bank the bread. But the bread becomes sour and it begins to rot because you cannot store and bank God's generosity. And so Brueggemann says one day, Moses says, let's do what God did in Genesis 1. Let's have a Sabbath. Because do you know what Sabbath means? There is enough bread. Do you love that? We can rest. There's enough bread. You can have margin in your life. You don't have to work seven days. There's good news. God is generous. This is the liturgy of abundance. This is the story of the Bible. Rest. And so Brueggemann says the critical issue is this. That we are torn. We are in conflict. We love the first story and we want to believe the first story. We like the idea that God is generous and there is abundance. We love verses that says, He will supply all of my needs according to His riches and glory. Don't worry about what you're going to wear or what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink. My God, <laughs> He can supply. He knows what you need. These things will be added to you. But there is great power in our belief of scarcity. And that is what makes us greedy. And he says that is what makes us mean. And that is what makes us unneighborly. Let me say it another way. Um, a few years ago, when I was pastoring the church in Cincinnati, a guy pulls up in our parking lot one day. Um, during the story, uh, I will call him Bobby, because that was his name. Kind of waited all week to tell that joke. and. <laughs> It's okay. Sometimes they don't go over real good. I did like the one about the Uno cards. I thought that was good. And so Bobby's living out of his car. He said he really wanted help. He really wanted to change. And so what we did was we began to get involved in his life. And listen at this. This is good news. Bobby asked Jesus... To transform his heart, his life. And Jesus did a powerful work in Bobby's life. He got a job. He got a deficiency after a while. I remember going through the office. A lot of people in the church were excited about what God was doing in Bobby's life. And somebody said, hey, there are personal clothes in this laundry uh, washer and dryer down here in the hall. Whose personal clothes? And one of the secretaries said, don't bother that. I'm doing Bobby's laundry in there. You know how initially you meet somebody, you might help them straighten their house? We helped him straighten his car. You know, just that's where he was living. And so one day, 
I was at church on a Sunday morning and I was walking through the offices and I was trying to run out to the sanctuary to get ready for Sunday. And this pastor who had been spending a lot of time with Bobby says to Bobby, um, says to me rather, Bobby's not here today, he's sick. And I said, oh, okay. And he says, uh, he wanted me to come by his house. And I said, he did? What for? And he pulls out an envelope, a white envelope, and he holds it up. And, and I'm trying to walk away as I'm having this conversation. I'm, I'm more turned this way than this way. And I go, oh. And I said, what is it? And, and I realized my, my friend Rob, his eyes were welling up with tears. And, and so I, I turned back around and I quit being in a hurry. And I, I said, what is it, Rob? And Rob said, it's his offering. He caught a glimpse of another kind of kingdom. And he began to believe another story. A story about the liturgy of abundance. And he began to believe that God is gracious. Bobby, you've been homeless for heaven's sakes. Don't you want to just kind of get all of that together that you can get and keep it? Don't you want to make sure that you're never homeless again? No. I'm reversing the list. Because I believe that God is generous. And I believe it's God that's brought me to where I am. And I believe it's God who will take me further. So here's the deal. You looking at me? Which story do you believe? Do you believe there's enough or do you believe there's not enough? Do you believe in abundance or do you not believe in it? Or scarcity? Do you believe that God is generous, so generous that you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or drink or wear? And that the first thing you can do with your money is just start giving it away. You want to stand with me? that we'll end our time together is that we'll sing and we will pray, okay? And you can pray where you are or you can come here and pray. And so you may say, you know, Rick, this was good. God's talking to me today. I think I believe the wrong story. And I've been trying to get what I can get. And I forgot that God is generous. And the liturgy of abundance has kind of slipped by me. And so, I want to ask God to help me with that today. Maybe that you've uh, got something going on in your life and you need God's help. Last week, lots of you come to pray because we've got lots of needs here. And I'm telling you, I've been praying with you all week for some people and God has been answering prayer. Amen? Amen good news 
And so if you came last week praying for God to help, you might want to come this week and say, God, I got on my knees last week and I asked you to help out. I got to get on my knees this week and say thanks. I don't want to be guilty of not saying thanks. Maybe saying, I'd like to be a part of that other kind of kingdom you're talking about. Jesus invites you in today. He will forgive you of your sins. He can transform your life. He can change the way that you're thinking. He can reverse your priorities. Turn them upside down. You can become a Christian, a follower of Christ this morning. Maybe you want to be prayed for for healing. There'll be a pastor here and there'll be a pastor here. They will pray for you. Let's spend some time together singing and praying before we go, okay? give you a benediction and then you can leave whenever you're free. Kyle will continue to sing. You can hang around. You can come and pray if you like. But when you leave, leave quietly, okay? So now to him who is able to do abundantly and measurably more than we would ever ask or imagine. To him be glory and honor forever. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.